0: I think it was my first Sunday at Mosaic, I saw Welcome Home on the screen. and It was like confirmation that it was where I was supposed to be.
1: Dom had been serving for a while and he was encouraging me to serve and I was pretty afraid to do that. And he was like, no, you have to. It's the only way that you'll really meet people.
0: I served first on the Connections team for a couple weeks and I would like send you pictures of me with like my badge on, because I was like, oh, look at this. But uh, it was cool because we were setting up a space and it made people feel like, oh, these seats are for me.
1: It was the beginning, I think, of a huge change for me because it's where I learned just how important people are. I think we've really just changed as a couple because we've had such an incredible support system that's just always fighting for us
0: and I think having people that are for us, that have our back, there's always someone there that are always for us, no matter what.
1: It was really just powerful to be around other strong couples where I could see that um, in a really tangible way.
0: And that's where I really fell in love with the church because what we're doing on the corner of Hollywood and La Brea is so much bigger than me.
1: Because of that, it's just made life 10 times more fun and more adventurous, more scary, but all around, it's just made everything just so much more beautiful. We are here to stay because we couldn't imagine our lives without Mosaic.
0: Mosaic's the family we chose and that chose us.
2: Man, I am just so, so honored and humbled to be here today, and, and and it's a little surreal because, yeah, like less than 24 hours ago, I, I was traveling through Malawi to South Africa to New York to LA, and, and to get back here and be a part of what we're doing, and I just wanted to take some time to have a conversation with you about what we as a church are a part of around the globe, about I love the fact that we may be here in Hollywood, and we may be even at our other campuses. And, and we have Mosaic online, people tuning in all across the planet. I love that what we're doing together here in LA is actually having an impact all across the globe. And that whether we're in Malawi or a team that's about to go to Lebanon or a team that has been in Mexico already this year, that that we are deciding as a church that all the things that God has done in and through us, we're not gonna keep for ourselves. We're gonna give it to those that need it the most. And I am just humbled to be a part of our global team. And, and so I just wanted to share a little bit just of like how awesome the trip was and some highlights. So I got some photos, because uh, that's the best way to experience things. These are some of the local people in Malawi. There's Pastor Kim, who is a firecracker and is incredible. Like, uh, pause there real quick. Sorry, go back. Uh, my other dashiki, that one's dirty. Um, here, I love it. Like, you see so many kids smiling. There was the amount of smiles on this trip had to have broken a Guinness Book of World Record. Uh, and seeing these kids filled with so much joy, Malawi is known as the warm heart of Africa. Isn't that such a great reputation to have? That even in the midst of poverty, even in the midst of like injustice, even in the midst of, of feeling like, like everything is stacked against us, it has not stolen their joy. I love that. And, and then, yeah, this next photo, we got a chance to, to do, uh, have church in the v- local village. And there's my translator, my friend Gift, who's amazing. Oh, I almost put her in my suitcase with me. Uh, it was really difficult, but then I was like, yo, Joe, that's called kidnapping. I was like, okay, so let's not do that. And this is really beautiful. This is my friend Brian, who, who Brian uh, is visually impaired and lost his sight when he was 14. And, and it was so fascinating to watch Brian going through the villages and the town, everybody looking at him like confused. Like, why, one, why are you here, and how are you still so normal? Because in their culture, if you're blind or you have a disability, you're an outcast. It means that God's forgotten about you. It means that you don't have a, a place to call home. And, and I love that Brian was a reminder to everyone he came in contact with that there is never a moment in your life that God cannot use you in a powerful way. And it was so beautiful just to just be on Brian's team. And, and then, yeah, there's Pastor Kim. Our fearless leader she's in London right now speaking six times at a conference this weekend so keep her in your prayers and there's our team it was so incredible and and then this next photo <laughs> right it's like obligatory like Wakanda forever but we had two Africans there with us so I feel like it made it official right <laughs> uh, there's Martwan on the left and, and then over here on the right is that sweet tea there in the yellow it's literally his name sweet tea uh I said, sweetie, we're going to find you your wife, Arnold Palmer. She's coming, all right? Um, or I guess Lemonade would be her, his wife. And then Walker. And Walker was, was just like such a breath of fresh air. And, and I wanted that photo just because he's single, and I'm trying to get him married up. And, uh, and so if you, if you love young African men, just come find me at Next Step later, uh, and I'll, I'll connect you guys. And... There's this moment where one of our team members, uh, Meredith, she, she comes in a haste. and She goes, I, I, left, I lost my camera. I don't know what happened. And, and she was on her creative team and taking photos the whole time. And, and she said, I don't know where I left it. And she starts in a huff. Like, that was an expensive camera. And I'm supposed to use it on the trip. And she just felt terrible. So she I think I remember. The last place I had it was at this shopping mall. And, and I think I left it in the bathroom. So we go. And we and we're like, what are the odds? We'll ask if somebody grabbed it. Probably not. So we go to the security team and we say, hey, has anybody turned in a camera? And I said, no, no one's turned in a camera. But here's what we'll do: we'll look at some footage and we'll see if we notice anybody with the camera. So we're like, okay. Next day they call and they say we have a lead. I'm like, okay, that's awesome. They're like, can you come? We're like, sure, we'll come. Next day we show up and they go, we found your camera. Like, wow, it's amazing to, to what happened. And say, we looked at the footage. We noticed that Meredith, when she walked into the bathroom, she had the camera strapped to her chest. When she walked out, there was no camera. So like, oh, she must have left in the bathroom. So they, we went and looked at shot by shot, footage by footage, hours after hours, to see if there's anybody that had a camera. I'm like, wait, hold on. Are you like mall security? They're like, yeah, yeah. Like Paul Blarth, mall cop. You went through all that. They're like, yeah, yeah, for sure. And so we noticed that there's one cleaning Person that was hanging around there a little more than normal, and we noticed when she walked out, she was holding something a little close to her chest. So we said, "We don't know for sure, but we think she might have taken it." So we went to her house and we said, "Hey, do you have the camera?" She said, "No, I don't have the camera." You sure you don't have the camera? She said, "No, I don't have the camera." Said, you don't have the camera? She said, "Okay, I have the camera." And they said, "Where is it?" She said, "I don't have it with me. I gave it to my friend." So they drove and they went to that friend. They said, "Hey, do you have the camera?" He said, "No, I don't have it." Said, she said, "You have the camera?" He said, "Okay, here's the camera." And then they opened it up and the memory card was gone. They said, where's the memory card? I don't know, she just gave me the camera. They go back to her house. Where's the memory card? I gave it to another friend. They drive to that friend's house. Do you have the memory card? Yes, here you go. I was like, wait, your mall security? Uh, is LAPD hiring? Can we please bring you here? I mean, I love LAPD. They're incredible. We can always use more help. And they go through all this process, and, and, and we're hearing the story that they tracked it down, and finally like, you can come and pick it up, and so it's amazing. And So Martwan and Walker go into this security room, and they tell them this story, and Walker comes, and he says, hey, it's just like culture, like you should give a tip. It's so like, how much? He's like, only, only, only God knows. It's like, Walker, that doesn't help. It's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, whatever you feel led to, and so we come up with a number, we give it to him, and... And Martwan's telling me this story about how they're in, and, and as Walker hands the head security guy this, like, you know, you know drug deal, like, handshake, hands him the money, and then he goes, all right, let's go. He says, right after he hands the money, and they turn around to leave, all of a sudden, all the power goes out. Pitch black. Which is, like, normal. Power went out a bunch while we were gone. So, like, take it, like, appreciate your power at home, okay? Because most of the world does not have the power that you have. Be grateful. That's a side note. Okay. They're in this room. The power goes all pitch black. And Martoin starts saying, I knew it. This is the moment I feel like, it's a setup. Walker's in on it. Then he's like, I start freaking out. And, it's bad. and they're like moving around. And finally, a guard grabs a flashlight. And they go to a breaker. And they turn the breaker on. And lights are back on. I'm like, OK, we're good. We didn't get robbed. He says, as they're leaving, there's this long hallway. They're like, OK, we're good. We got the camera. And about halfway through this long hallway, the power goes out again. And then Martwan says he looks over and Walker starts freaking out. And if you've ever flown, right? There's like a universal thing, right? When you're flying and there's turbulence, as long as the flight attendants are like, okay, you're like, I'm good. The moment a flight attendant starts freaking out, you're like, Jesus, take me. (laughs) And Martwan says, I was fine until Walker started freaking out. As the local Malawian, now I'm scared. And they said they're just crawling like, Jesus, please help us. And they get to the door, and they pry it open, and right as they leave, that's when I turn the corner with coffee, and I was like, hey, how'd it go? And they're like, wait till I tell you what happens. (laughs) See, there's something really profound about the moment we understand when we lose power, we know what it looks like. So what I want to take some time to talk to you about is I think that there's a power trip that we all need to go on that's different than the power trip we normally talk about. It's a power trip that only comes from God. And I wonder for us today as the church, as as the people of Jesus, as Mosaic, what power does God want to give you that he would have given it to you already, but he cannot trust you with it yet? See, in this passage in in Luke, there's this moment that I want us to dive into in the life of the disciples and what Jesus does in them that I feel I can apply to us right now. Luke chapter 9, verse 1. says this, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. And whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. And if people do not welcome you, "'Leave their town, shake the dust off your feet "'as a testimony against them.' "'So they set out, and they went from village to village, "'proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. "'And now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on, "'and he was perplexed, because some were saying "'that John had been raised from the dead, "'others, that Elijah had appeared, "'and still others, that one of the prophets of long ago "'had come back to life. "'But Herod said, "'I beheaded John,' Who then is this I hear about? And he tried to see him. See, this is such an important moment in in the life of Jesus and the life of the disciples because it gives us insight into the way that God works. See, this was in the early movement of Jesus. And it says that, that, that Jesus gathered the disciples together. And he said, what I want you to do is I want you to go from village to village. I want you to proclaim the good news. I want you to, to heal the sick, cure diseases. And he said, but before you go, here's what I'm going to give you, my power. See, why, why is that an important note? Why, why does that matter? Because think about the posture of God. That God who is all-powerful, who is all-knowing, who is God himself, rather than hoard his power for himself, he gave it away freely. See, that is insane. You know how I know that's insane? Because he gave it to you. He gave it to me. That's, why would God trust you with his power? Why would God trust you with his future? Why would God look and say, I'm not going to make sure that I'm the hero. I'm going to actually pour into you, and I'm going to send you out. See, I think so many of us are waiting saying, God, give me more stuff. God, give me more blessings. God, give me more gifts. And he's like, no, all you need is my power. See, all you need is my hope. All you need is, is my love. Because if you'll take that into everywhere you go, the rest will not matter because that will be the most valuable resource that you can bring. He says, you need to... Be sent. You need to go from village to village. And and before Jesus sends them out, he brings them together. And this is so important for us to understand. See, this is why church matters. This is why we meet every Sunday, because because God wants to scatter. But before he scatters, he will always gather. And it's in the gathering. That's why we call our our services gatherings. Gatherings. Right? The 10 a.m. gathering, the 12 p.m. gathering, the 8 p.m. gathering, because we understand the power in us coming together with one heart, with one mind, and then going out with that same one spirit and one mind. And it says that Jesus called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. See, if we're going to go all on the type of power trip that God is inviting us to, there's a few things that we need to understand. The first thing you need to understand is you are more powerful than you know. So you are far more powerful than you know. And I think so many of us, we ask God for more power, but really we need more character. See, we ask God for for more stuff, but he's like, no. What I need you to do is just to take what I've given you. You're already more powerful than you know. You already have all that it takes. Say no to your fears and step into your future. See, what, what Jesus decided, he took 12 ordinary men. I love the Bible later. It says that the disciples were unschooled ordinary men. What a great, like, resume. How awesome are you? Unschooled. Are you you extraordinary? Nope, just ordinary. Because what God was doing is saying, I can use anything. See, I can use anyone. See, because it's not about the talent that you need. I already gave it to you. It's not about the gifting that you need. I already put it inside of you. I need you just to understand how powerful you are, and I need you to live in that power and move forward, not asking for more, but giving what you already have. See, you are already more powerful than you know. And the reason I know this is because you are a container for the spirit and the life and the power of God. And God himself, in his humility, chose not to leverage power for his own gain, but he chose to give it to us for the gain of humanity. He said, go. Go. See, we have a friend that's part of Mosaic uh, named Angela Davis. And, and Angela is, is world-renowned as, uh, as a motivational speaker, as a fitness instructor. She's a soon-to-be author. She's really incredible. Can't wait to read that book. And, but, but she's also really known, in, especially in LA, as like the premier Soul Cycle instructor. And he makes some noise if you've ever been a Soul Cycle before. <laughs> right? You know it pains you to say that because you're like, I'm tired just thinking about it, right? <laughs> I remember the first time I ever went, Angela kept saying, Hey, you should come take my class. I was like, yeah, for sure. And she's like, come take my class. I was like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Come. And then like three years later, I showed up, right? <laughs> and I was nervous. I was like, I'm, I can't do this. Like, and I get in there and it's already stressful. Like, where do my feet go? And she, we get in there and then we just start going and, and it's like, it starts off so inspiring. The music's going like, right? You're like, God, you're just biking and she's just speaking life into you. that You were created for purpose, by purpose, in purpose. So I was like, yeah, you know I was? I'm just riding that bike. You can tell I don't know how to ride a bike. <laughs> and I'm just going. And and, and and then she just starts, hey, there's, there's more in you. So turn that resistance to the right. I was like, okay, I can turn that to the right. I start going, it's a little heavier. And then the music like picks up a little bit and you're supposed to stay on beat. And, and I'm already just intimidated because everybody in there like, is way more in fit than i am and, and it's crazy like they're more in shape than even my fantasy in my head i was like how can you be more ripped than i thought you were and i'm just cycling and and she's like there's more in you you got this you're more powerful than you know and i'm like yeah i am and, and we're climbing this hill and she's like do not give up i'm like i'm not going to give up she's like just go your future's waiting for you and i'm like i know it's called the end of the class hurry and we're just cycling, and, and, and we get to this hill, and she just starts, starts speaking into my life. And I can say she's speaking into my life because it's crazy how, in a room of 50, when somebody has intention, you could feel like they're speaking just to you. And we're in this room, and she's just calling out faith and calling out hope and, and saying, You're more powerful than you know. And, I, and when I left that class, I can, I can tell you I was exhausted, but I was filled to the brim. Because whenever you have people in your life that remind you of who you are, that remind you that you're more powerful than you can even imagine, all of a sudden you realize that there's more strength in me than I'm even aware of. You see, you need to have people in your life that are irritants, that when you choose to settle for less, they say, nah, not on my watch. So you gotta have people that mess with you that us say, why are you living less than you were created? Because I know that God has put power inside of you. So stop holding on to it for one day when you're going to need it, but give it away freely and watch how God will fill you back up. See, so I think what God is looking for, what God is interested in is, as I know this about God, he is a generous God. That everything about him is, is he pours and he pours and he pours. But here's what I've found to be true about God. Is that he will not give you his power if he first cannot trust you with it. Because he says it's too important. There's people that matter, that need you. And you need to understand that you're far more powerful than you know. And as we're in Malawi and we're going from village to village to village, We kept just trying to have the conversation, letting people know that we're not bringing Jesus here because Jesus was here far before we showed up. And that's not our message. That's not our method. Our message is that that when you connect to Jesus in a powerful way, he will take what he's already given you and he will flourish it. He will expand it. And and that's what happens in the life of the disciples. See, when they come together and, and God pours his spirit into them. He says, go, you're sent. There's people that need it. I gave it to you, not so that you could keep it, but so that you could give it. And then verse three, he says, he told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. And if people do not welcome you, leave that town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they sent out, went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. There's this one phrase in in that passage that really jumps out where it says, Take nothing. And and he's like, I want you to be very clear take nothing. No bag, no shirt, no purse, no stick, no money, nothing. You go, Why? Why, why Why would Jesus say, go into these villages, take nothing. If I take nothing, then how am I supposed to give? Because I think a lot of times we go, God, I will give as soon as you give it to me first. And he's like, no, I already gave it to you. Just because you don't realize it's in there, you need to actually trust me and I need you to give it away. He says, take nothing. I think the reason he's doing it is trying to set up a posture. We go, because if you're willing to trust me with nothing then maybe I'll be able to trust you with something. It says take nothing for the journey, because I want you to live open-handed. I want you to believe that I will give you exactly what you need. See, when I first, uh, not first, I only did it one time, but when I proposed to Rebecca, uh, <laughs> like she said, no, the first three times. When I proposed to Rebecca, uh, I had this whole thing set up. as around her birthday, and I was surprising her, and and it's already the most nerve-wracking and terrifying thing ever when you're proposing, right? Which it shouldn't be, because you're like 99% sure that she's going to say yes, right? And here, here's how I know this, because guys, we would not ask you if we didn't already know it was a yes. We're that scared. So we know it's a yes, yet we're still scared, and it's a strange thing. And, and so I was proposing to her, and I set everything up, and, and it was going to start with, we're going to go on a hike, because the whole day I wanted to like set it up with things that she loved and mattered to her. And she loves fitness and, and being active. And so I said, let's go on a hike. So I pick her up, 8 AM, and, and I just tell her, hey, here's the rule. Just don't bring anything. I got you. Everything is going to be beautiful. I'm taking care of it. Just you show up. You got to worry about it. She's like, cool. So I show up, 8 o'clock, pick her up. She's got a duffel bag. I'm like, interesting. I said nothing, but it's cool. Uh, babe. Uh, why you got a bag? I told you I got everything covered. She's like, I just brought it just in case. You know, just in case I need something later. I'm like, I understand that. But remember what I told you? I got it taken care of. Don't bring anything. Just trust me. She was like, mm mm-hmm, okay. And she put the bag in the, in the trunk. I was like, okay, this, this is going to be a part of our relationship moving forward. I was like, babe, hold on. Like, do you trust me? She's like, yeah. I was like, okay, well, you don't need it. Just put it back in the house. She's like, mm okay. Put her seatbelt on, huh? I was like, babe, like, I asked you to bring nothing. And she kept saying over and over again, I know, but what if? See, I think a lot of us, this is how we relate to God, is that we come to God and he says, okay, I want you to bring nothing. I want you just to come empty-handed. I want you to trust that I'm going to give you everything that you need. And we come and we say, mm-hmm, and we bring a duffel bag. And he's like, what's that? I'm like, it's nothing. He's like, no, I see it. It's bitterness. I'm like, no, 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 God, it's nothing. That's my past. He's like, no, no, I see it. That's anger. Wow, that's and, we, and we step into relationships going, God, I'm ready for this new relationship. Thank you. I'm, I'm open. And he's like, no, you're not. You're bringing all your past in with it. And God's saying, how can I actually create a new one in you a new future if you're not willing to let go of your past? Because he's saying, where you're going, you're not going to need that. And even coming back on this trip, like when I flew to South Africa, from Malawi to South Africa, and then South Africa to JFK, I had to pick up my bag. I was like, why do I need to pick up my bag? Can't you just send it all the way to L.A.? Why do I got to stop here in New York, pick up my bags? They said, no, you need to, you need to recheck it in. So I grab my bags. I go to this one guy at this station. And I checked, rechecked my bag, said, Do I give it to you, sir? He said, Yes. He said, Do you have anything to declare? I said, No. He said, Okay, your bag will go on. It got me thinking. I think this is what God does with us, is that He has these moments in our life that are like bag checks, where He said, To your next destination, He asks it, He doesn't force us. He says, Do you have anything to declare? Yeah. And we're like, No, 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 I don't have anything to declare. But here's what I know I know I got like, I got um, trail mix and bananas. I got all this stuff in there. Like, Do you have anything to clear? i like, nope, I'm good, I'm good, yep. And we act like our bag is empty. And God's saying, no, no, are you sure? And we're like, yeah. And then we get to where we're going. Then we get stopped wondering, why can't I keep moving forward? Because you cannot go into your future with things that were supposed to stay in your past. See, what I need you to hear me on is you are more powerful than you know. I need you to hear me also in that you have all the power that you need. See, you don't need God to give you anything more. When he told the disciples, take nothing, what he was saying is you don't need to take anything because I already gave you my power. And when you go from village to village to village, they do not need you to bring more stuff, more money, more bags, more clothes. They don't need that. What they need is me. And when we were in Malawi, I cannot tell you how many times people have just come and said, here's, I'm going to feed you. But what good is it to feed the soul? Sorry, what good is it to feed a stomach when the soul is empty? And what we have decided as Mosaic Global is that we are not the heroes we are not the Savior. See, our job is to already see what God's doing and how he's moving and to bring his spirit to wherever it needs to go. And we got to be a part of God moving in such a profound way and that we would do these medical clinics and, and we would hear the stories of, of people whose lives were transformed, not just through the care that they received, with their bodies, but actually the care that they received in their soul. And there's this one girl named Elizabeth who was on our team, and, and, and she teaches third grade. And we go for two weeks, and, and every week, or every day we come and we talk to the kids about, about future and dreaming dreaming and their imagination. And at the end of the two weeks, we do this huge presentation where, where they get to share the stories of what they've been learning about the imagination of God. And it was so beautiful to hear these stories of these kids imagining that someone in their village could be a doctor, even though no one in their village has ever been a doctor. See, we get to hear these kids imagine saying, we we imagine a future where every girl graduates from secondary school, even though that is not the case right now. So we, we got to hear these kids dream and imagine saying, we can be the first ones in our village to graduate from college even though no one in their village has ever even gone to college. And we got to hear these kids imagine and dream. And and Elizabeth is in this class preparing her students, and she notices one kid, Precious. He isn't there. And she says, I'm worried about Precious, because he said he got in a bike accident. I'm worried about him. And, And she next day, she rushes over to his house, check on Precious, and he notices that actually he has this huge gash on his leg, and it's become infected all of a sudden his leg is purple and it's swollen and he is not doing well and our, our medical team looks at him and said, we need to get him to the doctor ASAP. I said rush him to the clinic and there the doctors say that, that it, the infection was dangerously close to getting into his bones and it could have been game over. I said you got him here in just the right time and we that night as Precious is laying in his bed we come over and we bring dinner for him and his mom and he's lying in bed and and this kid who was in agonizing pain before and screaming is laying in bed. And we have a guitar, and we just start singing. And we're singing the song Tremble that MSC wrote in Chechewa, his native language. And he's just declaring about how, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. You silence all fear. And he's, we're singing around, and I'm just like on the, I'm, in the, I'm just standing there singing and just going, God, see, this is what the church is supposed to look like is that we don't bring anything extra to the conversation. We bring Jesus into the conversation and watch him shape what the future is supposed to look like. See, I know that there's people like Precious that in a year from now, they're not going to remember that we fed them peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They're not going to remember that that we bought him a shirt and we gave him some shoes. That's important. See, he's not going to remember that. What he's going to remember is that there was a girl named Elizabeth that did whatever it took to make sure that he knew he was loved. Yeah. See, what's going to stick with him the rest of his life is that there was a place called Mosaic. There was a tribe that said, Precious, your name is a symbol that God is saying you are his most prized possession. Yeah. And I think so many of us are waiting for God to give us more when He's saying, No, you have all that you need. Now what I need you to do is I need you to take it. I need you to find. I need you to go. I need you to to look for the people that need whatever it is that I've given you. And I need you to pour. See, because this is what I'm convinced of is that that there's people in your life that they are drowning in despair. The only hope they're going to find is when you give it. See, there's people that are filled with bitterness and rage and anger. But the only way they're going to see a story of forgiveness is when you give it. I think God is looking for women and men that are willing to step into environments that make you uncomfortable, that make you feel like you don't have what it takes, but you come in empty-handed. You come in saying, God, I don't need anything more. You've already given it to me. Whatever you give, I'm going to give even more. When the disciples have this moment where when God pours his power and his spirit into them and then he... He sends them out. He's reminding them that you don't need anything else. Now you just need a little bit more courage. And then verse 7, I love how this passage ends. It says, now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on. And he was perplexed because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead. Others that Elijah had appeared. And still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this I hear such things about? See, this is such a seminal moment in the movement of Jesus. See, Herod, who is the most powerful person in all of the land, who, who, is, who is the king, who is the ruler. It says, Herod looks and, he's, and he hears about this movement. He hears about this uprising, these people that are are going from village to village, from town to town. And he says, what's happening? He says, I beheaded John, and there's a rumor that prophets from long ago have come back to life. That's dope. That's crazy. What he's saying is the only way that could explain what's happening is somebody who used to be awesome and is dead had to have come back to life. What are you doing on Monday? See, this is what it looks like when the movement of Jesus comes together. See, when we step into with the future and the power that God has called us to, it will be unexplainable to people. They will wonder, no, what has happened? It makes no sense. It can't be this group of people. It's gotta be dead people. (laughs) See, I love that the future of Jesus, the future of the movement of Jesus that thousands upon thousands of years later would still be active and vibrant and would change neighborhoods and lives. See, I love the fact that when Herod gets wind of what Jesus is up to, it wasn't until the disciples went out. And here's why that matters. See, Jesus himself decided, I'm not going to do it on my own. So if Jesus said he's not going to do it on his own, why in the world do you think that you can? I'm going to say that again. For the people in the back. (laughs) If God, who is all powerful, who could fix everything in the snap of his fingers, if God decided that I don't need to be the only one, that rather than me go from village to village and them go, oh, it was Jesus. He pours his power into his people and says, no, it's the movement of Jesus that I want people to understand. It's the movement of Jesus that will be filled with love, with hope, with grace, with kindness. And that Jesus did not get on Herod's radar until the disciples went in Jesus' name. See, thousands of years later, Jesus has not changed his strategy. He said, "The way that the world will know my love, you know how? When you love. See, the way that the world will know my hope, you know how? When you bring hope. Yeah. See, you know how the, the world is going to know that I will always forgive, I will always be filled with grace, I will always bring mercy. You know how? When you do. Yeah. And I'm thinking, God is sick and tired of being the only one who cares. Because he understands that the only way that he will change the world is when he first changes us. And it was both heartbreaking and invigorating to be in Malawi for two weeks to, to see a level of poverty that is just raw to hear stories of of girls as young as 11 being in a situation where there's a tradition that when a chief dies, when he loses a life, that they have to take a girl and rape her so that new life can come. See, I can't tell you how, how sick that made me feel. Can't tell you how angry that made me feel. Can't tell you how much I just wanted to grab every girl and say, just come, we'll protect you. Can't tell you how much how much I wanted to, every time I would see a chief, I wanted, I just wanted to fight. How could you do that to your own children? But I know that there is never a decision that I can make in anger that will never be more powerful than in love. And what Jesus said is I. I need you to have the righteous anger where where you decide to love greater and watch how it changes environments. Where you decide that I'm going to come again and again and again. And and what we're doing in Malawi is we're we're trying to infect the culture with love. Because I can't tell you something is wrong and then think it's going to get fixed. I need you to connect you to Jesus so that you can understand that this is wrong. See, we just bring hope and we bring love. We do not bring judgment. We do not bring condemnation. And the only way we're going to break cycles, see, this isn't just in remote villages in Africa. See, I know that you have a cycle of anger in your life that you haven't broken yet. See, I know you have a cycle of envy in your life that you haven't broken yet. See, I know you have a a cycle of of evil, of darkness inside of you that, that until you give it to Jesus, you will keep replicating the same thing over and over again. The way... That we change what the future looks like is that we invite Jesus to change us from the inside out to move in us to speak to us to heal us because it's when we step into environments when we are healed we let people know that there is healing that is waiting for you too It was so crazy to watch that we built this soccer pitch on the school grounds for the village in Chaliza that we have partnered with and have been working with for the last few years and will be for decades to come. And we built this soccer field and this basketball court, and people even kept wondering, like, why are you building that? Like, they need food. They need jobs. They need opportunity. Why would you just build a soccer field and a basketball court and we said, oh, because you don't understand. See, when we put this soccer field on the school grounds, it's a way that we get to keep these kids in school. Right. See, the pitch is there because, because whenever kids, when they were done with school, they would go back home, and, and if they couldn't afford to buy food or they couldn't afford to buy clothes, they would give their daughter away as a way to just pay the bills. So we said, we're building a pitch because so if we can keep the kids at school, We're creating a new future. And we had our first match at the soccer pitch. And all these villages came out. And there was hundreds of people lining as these kids just played soccer. And there was just so much joy and wonder. Because they could just be kids again. And they just kept saying, thank you. Thank you. It's just more than soccer. Because what... We realize is that sometimes it's through joy that you begin to write a new future. Cause these kids that were playing soccer three years earlier, they were part of this local tradition and tribe that I talked about where they would rape these girls and really evil stuff. And we looked at it, we said, it's a tradition that goes back thousands of years. Like we're not gonna fix it in one day, in one person, in one moment. We need this change of culture. And so we we decided, let's use soccer. So we start getting with these guys, these young boys that were about to be pulled into this darkness, and we said, hey, we're going to play soccer, but first we're going to read the scriptures. So we just start reading the scriptures with them, and, and then we'd play soccer, and then the next week they'd come back, and we'd be reading the scriptures again, and they'd play soccer, and then, and then all of a sudden, three years later, 50-plus kids who were a part of this tradition that was evil, all 50 of them now have given their life to Jesus, and go from village to village to village. And, and they play soccer. See, what that tells us is Jesus will use anything. See, he'll take whatever you give him. He'll, he'll take all of your brokenness, all of your fears, all your doubts. He'll say, give it to me. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to give it back to you, but when I am going to give it back to you, it's going to be more powerful than when you gave it to me first. Because this is how my power works. So you need to realize that you're more powerful than you know. You need to realize you have all the power that you need. But most importantly, you need to realize that you have been given power so that you can empower. And it is such an honor to be on our global team, to watch as we go into place after place, village after village, saying, we are not here to be the Savior. We're here to empower you because the future rests in your hands. And I know for some of you here tonight, today, sorry, I'm in Malawi. For some of you here right now in this moment, you have just been desperate saying, God, I need you. And you've just been trying to play the game and you've been trying to act like you got it all together, but, but I know you don't. He knows you don't. And he says, I've got a future for you. And it's far greater than you could ever imagine, but, but first and foremost, what I need you to do is I need you to come to me with nothing. I need you to come to me empty-handed. With no expectation, with with nothing other than just a willing spirit that says, God, I've been running from you for a long time, but I want to slow down enough to let your love catch me. And if you're here, and before you can talk about God making you your most powerful self, the first conversation that you need to have is, is that you invite him into your story. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. If you're ready to trust Jesus with your life, if you're ready to trust him with everything, if you're ready to say, God, there's been a power outage in my soul and I need you to turn the lights back on, then I'm going to lead you in a prayer and give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. So I want us all right now to bow our heads and to close our eyes. And the reason we do that is it's just a, a symbol, it's a sign of honor. I say, God, we know this moment is sacred and so we're just gonna we're gonna black out all the noise. And we're just gonna create space for God to speak. I know that there's some of you here right now that you feel just overwhelmed with despair. You feel just heavy with the burdens of life. You you feel like God's abandoned you or left you or Or the people that should have known better, the people that you trusted with your heart betrayed you. And you put God's name on that. You say, God, how could, if you love me, how could you allow that to happen to me? God, if you loved me, then then why am I so wounded? And and you feel like, like God can't be trusted. But you're here, and I know that there's some of you right now that. That everything in you wants to give God one more shot. She say, God, I'm done trying to do this on my own. And I need not just your power, but I need your spirit. I need your hope. I need your life. So if you're here right now and you've yet to trust Jesus with your life, but you're ready to cross over the line of faith and, and say, I believe that God himself stepped into human story in the person of Jesus and he, and he allowed himself to be crucified, to be brutally murdered on my behalf. And, and then he rose from the dead so that for moments like this, he could be trusted with it all. And moments like this, he could prove that there is no greater power than his power. And right now, if that's you and you're ready to trust Jesus with your life, you're ready to receive all of his hope and his love, then then right now I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to say, Jesus, I give you my life. That's it. Jesus, I give you my life. And it's when you utter those words to God, you just tell him, Jesus, I give it to you. you make that declaration, he takes your life and all your, your wounds and your bitterness and your your anger and your emptiness and and he he says now you don't need that anymore and then he gives you his life and it's filled with more hope and optimism and peace and grace and love right now just tell him Jesus I give you my life if you pray that prayer right now What I want to do is I want to pray over you. I want to pray for you, but I first need to see you. So right now, if you pray, Jesus, I give you my life. I want you to raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Beautiful. Yes. I see you right now. Yes. Beautiful. Keep it up high. Don't worry about if anyone's looking. Who cares? All that matters is that God is looking right now. He sees you. Yes. Beautiful. Anyone else? One more moment. Jesus, I give you my life. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. Father, I pray for every hand that's held high right now, every woman and man in this room that that decided that they're going to walk out of this place different. God, I thank you that that it's moments like this that you remind us that our future will always be more beautiful than our past. And so I pray right now, Jesus, I pray that you would overwhelm everyone right now with your love. I pray that if there's any ounce of guilt or shame that is in their soul, I pray that you would remove it and you would replace it with your love. I pray that, God, they would know that there's nothing that they could do that could keep them from who you are and that Jesus right now, I pray that they would swim in your grace. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you so much. And for the rest of us, God, I feel like there's some of us even here that have been journeying with you for a long time, that have been walking with you, been like, I should have had this figured out by now, but I don't. And God, I pray for those people right now that just need to know that, that they are more powerful than they know. That they are more, more filled with hope than they realize. That You do not need them to do anything else. All you want is their hearts. Jesus, we thank you so much. We love you and we celebrate you. There is no one like you. and We ask this in your name. Amen and amen. Hey, right now, Mosaic, can we thank God for everyone who made a decision? Hey, you can do better than that, Mosaic. Come on. They stepped into new life. That's beautiful. So good. So powerful. Hey, just give me one more moment, if you don't mind. If you made that decision, and we're going to have someone on our team come up in a second and give you some next steps on what to do. But I just want to encourage you right now. I want you to understand that as powerful as this moment was, as beautiful as this this is why we're here, is that we want to help every human being connect to the person of Jesus because that will change the course of human history. We celebrate that decision you made today, but here's what I want you to hear me. You made that decision, and I'm so proud of you, so excited for you, but I want you to understand is that decision wasn't just for you. Now there's somebody else that has your name on it. See, there's somebody else that that your stepping into new life is going to give them hope for a new life. See, there's somebody here that God has has said, I want you to connect to my love because they need my love. See, what I want us to do together is to understand that the reason God has poured out his spirit into us, the reason he has given us His, his power is not so that we hoard it for ourselves, but so we give it away freely. And so this week, I want you to find people that need hope and I want you to give it. Find people that need love and I want you to give it. Find people that need forgiveness. That person that you don't want to forgive, you know their name. They're probably sitting next to you. Don't look at them now. That's awkward. (laughs) But I want you to do this week is I want you to find that person that you've been holding judgment on. You've been holding bitterness and resentment for and I want you to forgive them. One, because they need to be set free, but more importantly, you need to be set free. And bitterness and unforgiveness will always keep you leaving in the past, but forgiveness and mercy and grace makes you a resident of the future. Hey, I'm so excited for what we're stepping into. And as we continue moving forward with this campaign, Here to Stay, this is so important. It's the future of what we want to do here in Hollywood and if we together can understand that god has blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others there is no environment there is no village there is no neighborhood that we cannot step into that we cannot leave it more powerful than what thank you so much for joining us on the mosaic podcast i want to encourage you to take the
0: message you have just received allow it to go deeply to your soul to allow jesus through the deep work that only he can do and i also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at mosaic to go to the Mosaic app, and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation, to become a regular giver
2: and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.